Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse 24. This is where we left off. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount. It's taking forever, but it will speed up dramatically once we get through here. It's just that he keeps saying these really dramatic statements with no clarifications at all. So we got to delve into it. We left off here, Matthew 24, 6. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That's his statement. You cannot serve God, both God and money. This is a problem that we have uh, today. People would never say they're serving money, but in a sense, it's what they do. All their energy, all their concerns, everything, their priority is always about money, and the kingdom of God and the concerns of God are secondary. And Jesus said, look, you you can't play this game. You either serve God or money. Now, we all need money. He understands we need money. Everybody's got to deal with it. Money, money, money. Okay, we all got to have money. But we need to be careful that we don't get so consumed by it. And... We've got to quit creating narcissistic little monsters called children who we put the greatest priority in their mind is money. Money. You've got to make money. Career. 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 Do you know, studies have shown that churches, Bible-believing churches, which are these, we're the guys who take the Bible fairly literally here, okay? We, we take it. We believe it says what it says. It means what it says. and It doesn't mean some counter-wired weird thing. We're not talking... You know, old line churches. We're talking Bible-believing churches. They say 80% of the children raised in Bible-believing churches today, by the time they hit their second year in college, completely give up on their faith. They don't believe in the virgin birth. They don't believe in anything. It's one of the main reasons we recite the Apostles' Creed every Sunday. We drill it into them. One thing got to hand it to the Catholics and everybody else. Boy, they drill you. <laughs> you know, at least they get it into them. And we need a little drilling ourselves. That's why we do some of these things. To get these Christian principles into their heads. But are you kidding? 80% are falling away. We can't even pass our faith on to our own kids. And they're all wondering why. One of the reasons why is it's a parental problem. It's not a kid problem. It's a parental problem. And we have told them the most important thing. Most Christian parents that I talk to. And I try not to talk to them because I get mad. Is the biggest priority to tell the kids, go to school, get an education, gotta have a career, gotta make money, 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 money. And then we're shocked when they do exactly what we told them and they really could care less about God. Christian parents who threaten their young, don't you get married too young, we don't want you to, don't you, because you gotta get money and everything first. So the chance of even having young people who are virgins when they get married today is almost an impossibility. Creating a whole generation of young men that are porn addicts. Christians, I'm talking about Christians. Because we so worship it, the God of money, that it's the highest priority. We need to rethink what we're doing. We need to stop it. I told you a few weeks ago, or a month ago, before I left, that one of the things we're going to start advocating in the church here, and it'll take years to get through to most of you, but that we're going to start teaching our young people in this church, talking to you parents, try to encourage them as soon as they get out of school, high school, do not run off to college the next year. Take one year and serve God somewhere. Take one year. There's all kinds of opportunities. Inner city, around the country, South America, Europe, all kinds of places, Africa, where you can go spend three, six, eight, nine months Serving other people. Putting the kingdom of God first. 
feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, building housing for those who don't have it. I'm telling you, it will change their lives forever. Those of us who've had young people do it have seen the dramatic change in it. Sadly, most people don't do it. We go to church, we sing our songs, la la la, we go to youth group, la la la, but the major priority is money, 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 career, 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 money, money. By the time they turn 28, they've become the narcissistic, little self-centered people that we created them out to be. Look, they got to have their careers, we get it. But one year will not make any difference in any of that. It will, however, make a dramatic difference in them. Where they actually spend time serving other people. Where they actually spend nine months not playing video games. And not doing everything they want to do every five seconds. (laughs) And not being so concerned about what everybody else thinks about them. And getting a chance to live out their faith in a practical way. And it is something we are going to stress and encourage. It's obligatory. I mean, no one has to do it. Uh, You know, but hopefully, I would love to see where at some point... The vast majority of the kids growing up in this church, before they go to college, take one year and serve God and then come back and go to school. I'm telling you, it'll make a difference. They'll be less likely to run off to college and want to get, you know, drunk and have sex with somebody they don't know. Because they get a chance to really live out their faith. When you get to really experience it, because then it becomes theirs, you see. But you have to understand, to a great degree, they're living out your faith when they're under your house. What you got to do is give them an opportunity where they can live it out for themselves, where it becomes real to them, where they can see God show up and answer their prayers and really do something. You say, well, how much will it cost? Well, it'll cost you a fraction of sending the kid to college. If nothing else, it'll give you another year to save <laughs> for them. It's not very expensive. Going to these places doesn't cost hardly anything. Uh, and uh, we'll have some great organizations that you get a chance to look at. Okay, so... Continuing on. So he says, you can't serve God and money. And then he says, therefore, I tell you. And then look what he says. Do not worry about your life. Now he starts talking about money. And it's amazing. Because you're thinking, okay, now he's going to yell at people. Give more money. Give more money. He doesn't do that. He doesn't even talk about how much to give. He goes to the root of the problem. And the root of the problem really isn't what we think it is. It's not... Selfishness, although there's some selfishness involved. It's not those kinds of things. The root of the problem is fear. The reason people won't let go of what they have is because they're afraid to let go of what they have. And Jesus knew if you can shut off the fear, they'll become generous and it will change them. So he says, you can't serve God in money. Therefore, do not worry about your life. What you'll eat or drink about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And then he says this amazing thing. He says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? What he says, you can't change anything anyway. Worrying and rehearsing, this is going to happen, and that's going to be happen. And some of you, I know you just struggle with fear. What if I lose my job? What if the economy gets worse? And, and what do I do for my retirement? Why do I? <laughs> and you just live in this constant state of fear and paranoia, and it eats at you. Everything you do or mostly don't do in life is primarily because you're driven by fear. I'd love to do this, but I'm afraid. 
I'd love to take flying lessons on it, but I'm afraid. I'd love to go scuba diving, but I'm afraid. I'd love to start my own business someday, but I'm afraid. I mean, their whole life, they're constantly living out in their mind stuff that never happens anyway. And then life is over and life's passed them by. I've given this analogy many times, but life is quick. Think of the last 20 years of your life. How fast did it seem to go? Just like that. You know, for most of us in this room, we only have like two or three of those left. You're dead. That's how fast it goes. It all goes that fast. Ask people who are a lot older than you. It gets worse. (laughs) The only time life is slow is when you're in sixth grade (laughs) and you're staring at the clock and the second hand's going... I mean, it's like for an eternity and you can't wait for summer to come and everything takes forever. It really speeds up from there. Life goes fast. The older you get, the faster it goes. I'm convinced the reason old people walk so slow is not that they can't walk because everything's moving so fast. <laughs> Slow down. Slow down. Good heavens. You know, don't burn your whole life. Restricted by fear of what's probably never going to happen to you anyway. And look, there's a lot of stuff that you fear you can't control. If the economy tanks, there's nothing you can do about it. If this, that, and the other happens, there's nothing you can do about it. Jesus said, why are you worrying about these things? And he says, why? Verse 8, 28, why do you worry about your clothes? See the flowers of the field, how they grow. They don't labor or spin yet. I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was not dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And stop and think about this. That's the struggle is faith. And he doesn't just yell at them to have more faith. He gets to the core. Quit worrying. Because fear is the opposite of faith. You want more faith? Yeah, I want more faith. How do I get more faith? Stop being afraid. Don't focus on your faith. Stop being afraid. Because it's the anti-faith. If you can quiet your fears, your faith starts to soar. So do not worry, he says, verse 31. Saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Look, the pagans run after all these things. (laughs) And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But, he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. He says, tomorrow will worry about itself. And he says this incredibly brilliant statement. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Have you noticed this? Are you aware each day has enough grief? (laughs) Just by Apparently, people don't have enough grief today. But they've got to add to their current grief by worrying about grief that may or may not ever come. Don't do it. Well, what's going to happen? I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. There's a God who knows. He's not freaking out this morning. He's not looking at your life going, Oh, myself, what are we going to do? He's not worried. He knows. He's bigger than any of your problems. He's bigger than the economy. He's bigger than our politicians, crazy though they may be. He's bigger than all that stuff. He's God. 
Our hope and our trust is in Him. If there's anything we should have learned by now, is that you really can't trust anything else. You can't trust the politicians, Republican or Democrat. You can't trust the banks. (laughs) You can't trust Wall Street. You can't trust anything. Oh, I'm going to trust my 401k. Yeah, how did that work out for you? Now, this is about half of what it was. I mean, you can't trust, you can't put your hope and trust in these things. That's why it's important to put our hope and trust in God. And what he's trying to say is that the key to being generous with your money is to stop worrying so much about your life. Learn to let go and let God. Because if you can just let go the things that you're so rehearsing in your mind about, just let it go. Trust God. We have enough problems today. Jesus said, worry about today. Tomorrow can worry about itself. The main reason people don't give more money in their lives to church or to anything else is not because they're bad people. It's not because they're evil. It's not because they're such selfish little rats. They're afraid. Let's learn to calm our fears and to trust our God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your kindness in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you call us to greater things. As we look at your word, help us to learn your teachings so we can get them on the inside of us. And Lord, this is a big one. A lot of people worry. It's hard not to worry about things. But help us to learn to let go, to let God, to trust you, to not torment ourselves about a tomorrow that we don't know anything about. Help us to be as responsible as we can be today, but to deal with today and let tomorrow worry about tomorrow. Help us to be generous people. Help us to let go, to let God, to quit trusting in things we cannot control and to put our trust in a God who controls everything. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.